Hi, my name's Ian Beaton. You're about to listen to everyday people from differing backgrounds, but with one thing in common, a story. A story of adversity, a story of inspiration, a story of laughter, sometimes a story of sadness, or simply a story to make you think. I believe everyone has a story. I also believe that story should be shared. Welcome to So Watch Your Story. In this week's episode of So Watch Your Story, I have Kim Norman Dobrind with me. Kim is a serial social entrepreneur for the past 30 years in integrative education. Her work is based on social emotional learning and well-being skills and tools, which are essential to live the life of which it can be meaningful and fulfilled. She was raised in South Africa during apartheid, and Kim has met Nelson Mandela, worked with Steven Spielberg, and also been in the presence of former US presidents. Um, For over 13 years, she was the founder and CEO of the Tomorrow Trust, which was headquartered in South Africa. And Kim will tell you all about that wonderful work uh, during that time. Today, Kim is co-founder and CEO of Free the Mind, which is a fascinating um, uh, establishment. And again, Kim's going to give us the context around that. She is married to Alan. And Alan is a very important person in her life. And for those not watching this on uh, video content, when I've just mentioned Alan's name, Kim lit up like a beam. Um, and she has t- uh, beautiful children and today lives in Atlanta, America. Welcome to So Watch Your Story, Kim. Thank- thanks, Ian. Yeah. Great to be here. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Um so you're the other side of the ocean right now. It's a different time zone, but um, we just want to hear your story. So give us some context if you can, Kim. And, and if you don't mind, um, I generally do this with my guests. I like to hear about those early formative years. So you were growing up in South Africa. It was apartheid. Um, how was that for you? And, and what experiences would you perhaps rather have not seen, but also that perhaps gave you good groundings to, to where your, your journey actually ended up? So generally, if you look like me, um, white and, you know, coming from South Africa in those times, you were seen to be privileged. And I was in a lot of ways. And I wasn't in a lot of ways. I come from a trauma childhood. And so my formative years, literally from the day that I was born, was fraught with trauma, a lot of loss, a lot of um financial issues, a lot of challenges Mm. that um, I was trying to navigate as a child. And so in those formative years, I really wasn't aware of anything. As as children are, they're very much focused on their own environment. Um, And I always, well, at a certain stage, from about the age of seven, I had a nanny who worked you know, for us, my mother had two jobs and I was always just close to my nannies. It was my safe place. Yeah. You know, they were just so warm and loving mm. and just there in, in the best way possible. And we were, you know, we eventually lived in an apartment block in a flat and there was a park below us. And if people couldn't find me, I was always in the park playing with the babies. <laughs> and need I say, <laughs> that has colored my life. I'm still dedicated to children. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Babies have always been my thing. They're just pure and beautiful and lovely and hold so much hope Mm. and opportunity for the future. Kim, if I may, um, do you think when we talk about childhood trauma, do you think, and obviously with the work that you've done over the years, you're, you're very qualified to answer this question or otherwise I wouldn't Uh, pose it do you think that when we talk about our childhood trauma when we're in that moment as a child we realize it's trauma or do you think it's later on when we reflect back that that there is the reality that it was trauma i think it's both and that's why i do what i do today with free the mind co and with our programs i really do believe that children thank goodness are so resilient yeah Um, And in those days, 
we were having to be even more resilient because we didn't have social media. We just had to be in that moment. There was no escape out of the moment. There was no getting onto cell phones or getting onto anything else. We didn't have cell phones in those days. I'm definitely putting my age out there. (laughs) So you were in the moment. And so I think as children, you know that you're sad. You know, you know that something's going on inside you and yet you're not familiar with it because no one's teaching you that. Yeah. So, you know, with our programs, we always say, if you can remember back to when you were five or 10 years old and you had those overwhelming emotions, if someone in at that moment told you that A, they were normal and B, they gave you the skills and tools to use to deal with those overwhelming emotions, how different might your life have been as an adult? Absolutely. And I can tell you for me, my life would have been very, very different. Mm. Um, I still today suffer from anxiety because of what happened in my childhood and because I didn't have the skills and tools. Yeah. And that's why we give them in our programs today because we believe that children across the globe are struggling and not only do we believe it, we know it. Um, anxiety has gone up four times since COVID. Wow. Suicide rate has gone crazy. And so, you know, yes, to your question, I think children know that they're having these emotions. They don't understand them, though. And then looking back, as an adult, you realize I was going through so much trauma. Despite that, you've gone on to obviously. I say despite that. I mean, what what we what you have learned to do is to channel those, you know, as you refer to anxieties that you still have today. Uh, but you channeled that in such a tremendous way in the work that you did previously um, with Tomorrow Trust and what you're doing now with Free the Mind. And I know we're probably going to speak about your son during this this session because you have some interesting pieces of art just beside your behind your head as we're talking on this in your office. And your son is an author and he, and, and, and he's also um, a very spiritual person who who has a, an amazing ability. Um what was the what was the point then, Kim, when you were coming into later, you know, into your education years? Um, were you noticing that you were pulling towards something? Was there was there always this purpose? Did you feel this purpose that you, that were you that was pulling you towards a direction? And can you walk us through that? Yes, good, great questions, Ian. Um, yes, you. ever since I was a child. Um, I knew that I was always different. I come from a very academic family, and I was not. I was in the arts. I was in dancing and acting. I went to a special school for the arts. So I knew on that level I was always different. On another level, I looked at the adults around me, and I could really see that they had no idea how to live life, that how to manage their own emotions. So how were they supposed to teach me? So every part of my life, I felt that I was recreating the wheel. Mm-hmm. And sometimes not very well, you know, <laughs> as a child. Um, the turning point for me, there were, there were a couple. I got onto a scholarship in LA uh, for Lee Strasberg. And I was walking across the road. I had just bought Shirley MacLaine's Out on a Limb, her book. Okay. And I walked out and there was a bus that came careering past me. And the question that I asked myself was, if I was hit by that bus, would I be happy with how my life was being lived every day? And the answer was no. And so I promised myself from that day on that I was going to really get involved with life and really live my life to the fullest. And I was going to push myself so that when the time came, that I did pass, I could really say that I've lived life to the fullest. So there was that moment in time. Yeah, and do you think that, I remember when you we, we spoke, you lost your dad when you were young, right? I lost, my parents got divorced, so I didn't live with my mother when I was um, like a year old. I lived with her sister, so there was no bonding um, with my mother. And then my parents got divorced when I was three, 
And we lived from one aunt to another aunt um, who were wonderful and gracious to us. And then um, my mother met the most wonderful man who believed I wasn't allowed to see my father. My mother didn't allow me to see my father from the age of three until seven. And when she got remarried, this man felt that no child should be separated from their father. And so he reintroduced me to my father. And I was the only one who went between my two parents, which was in itself traumatic because my mother had such a hatred for my father. Right. Um, And then this man, my stepfather, passed away when I was 10. Suddenly, and he was the person who held everything together. And then my real father passed away when I was 14. Goodness me. And it was just clamoring all the time for for finances and, you know, for some kind of idea of what a security looked like for a child. Thank goodness I had my cousins and my aunt who, who were as close to you know, my family as, as I could have. Um, and then afterwards, I after my scholarship in LA, I went back to live in Johannesburg and got married and decided that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and the best wife and mother I could be. That was my dream. <laughs> um, a man plans and God laughs and that went out the window. Um, and I went to see Schindler's List. Yeah, And I walked out of Schindler's List sobbing hysterically. Not that I lost anyone in the Holocaust, but it obviously, walking out of it, I thought and I said to the people that I was with, this is a humanitarian crisis. This is not simply a Jewish crisis. This is a black mark against humanity. And if I want my children to be raised in a better world, then best I get involved. Mm. And that was a massive turning point for me. Mm. And every decision that I have made from then has got two layers. And they actually concurrent. Um, The one is how do I grow myself so that I can do more and be more? And how do I support children in the world to live in a better world? So if that means working with adults, or working with children themselves, that is what I've done for the last 30 years. Goodness me. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when we talk about cause and effect, you've made a very good point there. You know, can we help children directly? Yes, of course. But what about this, this circle around them? And that includes the adults, right? Of course it does. So if we yeah. if we can change behavioural yes. patterns in in the adults, then that has a likelihood of changing or helping uh, the, the children as well. So you started um, a non profit charity. Am I right? Would it would it be called a charity? Yes. Yeah. And that, yes. And that, um, and that was Tomorrow Trust, right? I did before that. So. The one thing for me was always about learning for myself and growing myself. And it's amazing how I just walked through the open doors and hence developed an amazing career. Um, The one thing that I was always very aware of is self-responsibility. That blaming others is never helpful. (laughs) So how can I learn from every situation for myself? So you have so many people who have chips on their shoulders who are bitter or whatever because of life circumstance, and plenty of people have a lot of reason to do that. For me, going through life, it was what did I learn, how do I grow, and how do I incorporate that in my life? And so... Walking out of Schindler's List, the first thing that I did was get very involved in Holocaust understanding and genocide and um, what do I do with this? And so I started running through, a a long story cut short, I started running Steven Spielberg's Survivors of the Shoah Visual History Institute, um, which was the most incredible blessing. I learned so many lessons from Holocaust survivors. The fact that they could have seen and experienced the most horrendous 
of what humanity has to show and then create a life afterwards mm. was profound to me, profound. Mm. And so my point of reference, maybe not such a healthy one at different times, but my point of reference was often if these human beings can go through the most horrendous, mm. then I can go through something else. Mm. Was there and a, it gave me inner strength. Yeah, and that's really interesting. because I realized... Well, I realized that resiliency is one of the most important things to a human being. Mm. And how much resiliency did I have myself? And how much resiliency do we teach children? Because life is challenging. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much money you've got, how beautiful you are, how famous you are, how poor you are, whatever the case may be. If you don't have inner capacity and resiliency, you in trouble. And you brought up my son. Um, he's probably one of the most resilient human beings I know because of his challenges. So with that, learning that from them and then moving into apartheid and working with the most incredible people like Nelson Mandela, it was such a blessing. He didn't have any kind of hatred or animosity when he came out of 27 years in jail. All he wanted to do was create a better world. And he was gracious and loving. And I had so many personal experiences with him that was such a role model, including the fact that even though he was head of state, he never wore a suit because he needed to be comfortable. Mm. And that showed me the pretense of you may be wearing a suit, but what's underneath it? And the authenticity. And so there you have two lessons for me, resiliency and authenticity. And added to that, what impact can you make as an individual in the world? And that set the stage for the next step for me. It's amazing, isn't it? And when we talk about this, you know, um, I think there's a line in, I'm trying to remember a Coming from Leicester, I should know this, but I, I don't know whether it's uh, Kasabian or I'm, I'm inclined to think it. I'm, I'm, I think it is Kasabian, but I'm, I might, I'm, I'm getting clouded that it's SLP, which is Sergi's uh, independent um, solo career. But he uses a line in in the song. The song is um, some of the biggest criminals I've ever met wear a shirt and tie. And, and you know, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that politicians are are criminals, but the facade of what we see sometimes is presented to us isn't actually what's beneath that. Um, so, exactly. Um, you know. Exactly. And I think in the world today, we're seeing it so much and people don't know who and what to trust anymore. Mm. You know, we've just come out of COVID and how much mistrust, how much misinformation oh, were we goodness given? Me. Yeah. And what is the impact after that? I mean, personally, we're dealing with it. Um, so, you know, then my next step was the Apartheid Museum as one of the founding directors of that. Yeah. And looking at that from an adult perspective, my own personal country and history was profound. And what people can do, so coming out of genocide and then going into apartheid, what people do to each other is just unbelievable. And it's based on so much fear and anxiety and stereotyping and the, the harm that we can do to each other as human beings is just unforgivable. Mm. And then from there, I started my first nonprofit, which was called Tolerance Foundation. And we used history as the vehicle to teach life skills, SEL and well-being to over 70,000 children in South Africa. And then in 2005, I started Tomorrow Trust, supporting orphan and vulnerable children with integrative, holistic education uh, to break the cycle, the generational cycle of poverty. And that's been super, super successful. Incredible young people. We've now got over 400 alumni who are lawyers and doctors and everything you can imagine living around the world. Um, and it's it's been a blessing to learn from them as well. And then um, I stepped down from that end of 2018 and started with Brent, with my son, Free the Mind Co., 
and using his books as a vehicle to teach social, emotional and well-being skills and tools to children, to adults, to teachers, to families. Mm. And that, again, has been another journey. Yeah. Let me reverse up slightly. Um, I want to go back to um, Tomorrow Trust because you've just mentioned that. And if you don't mind, Kim, I'd like the listeners to just understand to what extent you went to to build that fantastic um, organization that it became, uh, trust that it became, and also the personal sacrifices along the way. But then, and again, multifaceted question, so keep up with me. <laughs> um, but, but also, but also, <laughs> but, but also um, I'd like to weave in here your decision, your, your ultimate decision to step away was so selfless when we spoke about this before. Please, can you just walk us through? So, so let, let's break that down. So let's, let's, um, your sacrifices personally and within your family that you were making because you were traveling, you were hopping from one side of the world to the other. You're, you're at this point, are you a single mom at this point? I'm remarried, but I was a single mom for 14 years. Yeah, that, sorry, that's what I meant. At this point in, in, this point in the journey, yes. you're a single mom. Yes. So you're yes. juggling children, yes. you're traveling around the world, you're building up this Tomorrow's Trust, which is, becomes a, an enormous uh, 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 trust charity. Can you just help us uh, with what, how you managed this balance of personal and and, and business life, the sacrifices you were making, and then your decision to wind, walk, you know, to depart from that and the reasons why? First of all, I don't know if I fully comprehend or agree with the idea of sacrifice. Okay. It sounds very martyrdom for me. Um, what I do believe in is choice. And responsibility with that choice. And with with freedom and choice comes responsibility. Mm. And so I made certain choices. I was not in a in a good marriage on any level, not for myself or my children. And so I needed to make the choice to get out of it, which I did. And I therefore put myself into that situation. My children always have come first, and they still do. Um, so I could be in a meeting with the top CEO or even president of the country. And if my phone rang and I saw it was my children, I would answer and go, is everything okay? I'm in a meeting. But they have always come first and they will always come first. Um, so they really didn't necessarily feel that I wasn't there for them. Okay. I still took them to school every morning. I still picked them up. I still took them to their extramurals. And everyone in my office knew how to navigate that with me. I was on call all the time. And at the same time, I was my personal self. Um, At that stage, being a single mom, I knew that I needed to grow myself and give myself healing time. I needed to build my career because that's what was supporting us and be there for my children. And I knew there would come a time in my life where I would have space for a relationship in the way that I wanted it to be. And that was only going to be when my children were were much older. And that's exactly how it did play out. (laughs) Um, So those were all my choices. And I'm not telling anyone else to make those same choices. Everyone does things differently. Um, As long as you can put your head on the pillow at night and go, this is what I'm choosing. Was it difficult? Absolutely. Hugely difficult. I didn't have any support from anyone. There was no one giving me a check at the end of the day except for what I could bring home. Um, There was no one emotionally supporting my children except me. So I also needed to create a support system for myself, which I did. And I still work with the same psychologist who's on another kind of level. I knew she needed to be integrated. I knew she needed to be highly wise in order to hold me and help me grow into who I was. I was so fearful. I was had no self-confidence or self-esteem when I started the journey. And she has helped me 
she was in my corner, just like a boxer. Yeah. And I went out boxing every single day into yeah. the ring. Yeah. And so I think everyone, one thing I can really ask people to do and employ, implore people to do is have people in your corner that you can rely on that may not be your friends and family. They will not mince the words with you. They will call it as it is and help you through whatever challenges. And that has been my saving grace. I have a motto, trust and faith every day, and I go on it. And there are tough days, and they always have been tough days. I also have a strong belief system that we are all here for a reason. Me too. And it's about you finding that reason and delivering it to the best of your ability. And I believe that my reason is to grow as much as I can and to make and leave the world a better place as much as my ability can. And that keeps me going every day. That is so beautiful, Kim. You came to a point with Tomorrow Trust where you realized, and I don't want to put words into your mouth here, so I'd like you to explain this, but you realized that it was time for you to, to, to move away from the trust. A very, very selfless decision because you 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 nurtured this 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 baby. You you know it was yours. You 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 you'd sort of taken it to where it could be. It was still very very healthy, um, but you made the decision. What was what was the reasoning behind that, Kim? Well, first of all, I don't believe anything is yours. So I I may have been the founder and the CEO, but it wasn't about me. It didn't belong to me. It belonged to the children that we were serving. And the same as Free the Mind Co. It is not mine. I'm helping facilitate it so that we can get the programs out there in order to support families and foster care and care homes and schools, etc. So I had one um, sentence or motto when I run anything. And it was for Tomorrow Trust, does this serve the children? Does this serve the organization? And if the answer is no to any one of them, then we never did it. And when I was leaving South Africa, which I never thought I would, uh, and coming to Atlanta, I still ran Tomorrow Trust for, for two years. So I was flying backwards and forwards. In. And eventually I said to my board, is this good for the children? The answer was no. Is this good for the organization? Answer was no. They needed someone on the ground to do it justice. And I couldn't do that anymore. That was the one reason. The second part was that all my work had been mile deep and inch wide. It was a very deep intervention. We took the children from being young all the way through their education. And I always personally wanted the challenge of doing something mile wide inch deep so that I could impact millions of children. Okay. And so for those reasons, by the end of 2018, to be authentically true, I needed to step down. Was it hard? Yes, it was. And at the same time, I knew I was doing the right thing. And that then opened the door for me to start this with Brent in a, in a bigger way. And that, that was the journey. Um, you know, as I, I'm an Ashoka Fellow um, out of Washington, it's an amazing social entrepreneurship fellowship. And we talk about founder syndrome. And founder syndrome is way more selfish to stay in a position rather than leave it. And because you need new blood, you need new perspective. So, you know, it comes a time for everyone. It's like, when do you step down? When do you let go of that? You know, and we see it in the world. We see so much, you know, so many people not stepping down when they should. I really like that. And, and, and I've paused because I can think of so many examples where the founders haven't. It's been detrimental. So, so, to, exactly. under, so to understand that and founder syndrome. I like that. Yeah, thank you. So you mentioned Brad. We're not going to get through this podcast without talking about brad and his and his and his intervention and, and brent. brent sorry uh, so yes. so so and neither should we um 
because he is an amazing person. Now, you know, some would listen and say, well, this is his mum talking, so the bias, but no, I'm sorry. Brent really is an amazing person. So you you um, founded Free the Mind. Tell us a little bit about what Free the Mind does, what, what how it helps, and also, of course, Brent's um, important part in this organization. So my children were raised very differently, obviously, <laughs> because I was a single mom and they were very much part of my work. So they were raised with Holocaust survivors in their home. They were raised knowing people and blessed to have known people like Nelson Mandela um, and many others, as well as being in their own social environment. My daughter has gone off to do exceptionally well in the sustainability space. Um, she, Both of them are very well-traveled. She now lives in Singapore. Brent, um, and she went the business route. Brent became an integrative specialist. He started doing mechanical engineering, super smart, hated school with a passion. And I used to say to him, you're going to school to learn life lessons, not the academics. We know you've got the brain power for that. <laughs> and then he um, he did a lot of integrative um, work. Um, and then when he was in Bali doing his yoga teacher training, he called me and said, mom, there's one common denominator, and that's fear and anxiety. It doesn't matter who you are. And we've got to do something about it. I said, okay, fine. What, what do you want to do? He said, I'm going to write a story. And that was Freeing Freddie the Dreamweaver. That is Freeing Freddie the Dreamer, which is endorsed by Deepak Chopra. And there is um, a storybook. I should grab it. Um, there's an activity book and a workbook. There we go. That's a storybook. Freeing Freddie the Dream Weaver. Weaver. By Brent. Right. By Brent. Um, <laughs> the illustrations, as you can see behind me, are truly beautiful. We got an animated illustrator to do it. There's an activity book, sticker book for children, little ones, and then there's a workbook as well. And my, at that stage, 20 full-time staff, 95 teachers fell in love with it. And we built this out into a curriculum that is to be done in a classroom. And then we were starting to do it in America and then COVID hit. <laughs> and we started Free the Mind Co. to share, you follow Freddie along this journey where he gets caught in a spider's web and he meets Mr. Cotton the spider. And Mr. Cotton teaches him that that's your web of fears. And with the intention and with the skills and tools, you can let go of your web of fears and build your web of dreams. Wow. You know, during COVID, I was doing more teacher webinars and parent webinars than anything else because everyone was falling apart. And we realized that the adults don't have these skills. So how are the children supposed to have it? Anxiety has gone up four times since COVID. The suicide rate is just horrendous right now for children and teens to be taking or even thinking of taking their life. It's a tragedy. Yes. And so the work that we do is normalize emotions and give the skills and tools on how to cope every day. It's an online program. It's self-led. People can do it wherever they want. And if they do it in a school with a teacher, it's a hybrid model where the teachers get extra um, facilitator guides that they then can take the conversation offline and into the classroom. And then we've got family programs where you can do it in the family. It's five modular. And we talk about things like empathy and forgiveness and gratitude and fear and anxiety. How do you release it? There are visualizations in there. How do you build your dream? What is your dream? And so we go through all of these. That's just the first book. This is the second book. Um, and it's all about what gift do you bring to the world? And it's endorsed by um, Lou Gossett Jr. And that one's called Revealing Freddy. Yeah, it's it's the light within. Yeah. And what is the light within? It's all we've all got a gift, whatever that may be. And how to discover that and how do you share that in the world? And so Brent is our creative director. He's in Sydney studying to be a doctor of Chinese medicine as well. and. Um, yeah, you know, he's also had his own very challenging journey and has grown into the most incredible human being that is super resilient 
um, and has so much to share with the world. Mm. And there's that word again, resilience, right? It is it, it, exactly. it, it keeps resonating during our conversation. Yes. And um, yes. I think to harness this in such a way is incredible because as you say, for young people, there is there has been, unfortunately, since COVID, perhaps even before that, but it seems to have been exacerbated since that period where a lot of young people are challenged by their thoughts and and i think that what you're bringing to you know through through the uh, free the mind and through brent's amazing work is something which is going to be hopefully a massive gear shift and as you say this mile wide inch deep that you that you referenced um i can see that now you know rather than rather than this mile exactly. high, you know rather than this different yes. this different yeah yes and, and what's so important is that anyone can access this. It's online. Yeah. So you can do the family program at home. You can do the children program um, with your kids. You know, it, it goes from 5 to 12 years old. Um, there's just so much for us to share um, in the most delightful way. We know that not only children but adults live through stories and they learn through stories. Yeah. You know, you remember your favorite book as a kid. You know, um, so we do these workshops, even at a corporate level, using Brent's books because he writes in layers. So it doesn't matter what age you are, you take from it as age appropriate. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's exciting. We don't want this to be heavy. We want it to be light and joyful. And the online program has got games and avatars and all kinds of things that make the learning just magic yeah it's interesting isn't it because i remember you saying and, and, and i think this might have been referenced to your to your former tomorrow trust but you you made a statement uh that i wrote down and it was kids if they have a decent education then change can happen and and whilst this isn't direct it is it, it's, it's an education you know the, the 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 free the mind book and platform is you know educating uh, the younger people and those around them to to have a different perspective would, would that be the right way to frame it kim you know everything in that you don't know today and you're learning something new is education in our case it's all about your emotions it's about understanding who you are it's about inner building that inner capacity and those inner resources so that you can go out in the world and live your best life, you know, with happiness and meaning and joy, you know, and that's, that's what we are busy giving out and sharing and just in, in the best way possible to make it accessible. I think it's really interesting when, when I think about generational shifts, you know, did I know what I really wanted to be when I was 14 years of age? Possibly not. Um, do some people know at the age of 60 what they really want to be? Possibly not, you know. But I think if 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 what you're bringing to 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 uh, a, a big audience is, well, look, you know, here, here's the web. Here's here's what's holding you back. But once that web untangles, you can see your dreams clearly, and then exactly, you know, and then and then giving you know the opportunity to follow that that, that journey. And how wonderful would it be that if every person in the world was touched by this? Magical. It's absolutely magical. And the the idea of dreaming should never stop, no, no. matter your age. You know, um, there's always a new dream. It's all about being involved in life around you. You know, truly being involved and knowing that you can make that impact. And you see people in their 80s doing the most remarkable things. <laughs> you know, no one told them that they can't do it. So why wouldn't they do it? Yeah. You know, so... For me, it's that, that continuity of always being involved, always pushing yourself, always learning. It's a very, life is a very humbling experience. I, I don't like the word expert in anything because the minute you say expert, you put a ceiling on it. It means that you've learned everything and there's nothing more to learn. And yeah. that's just so far from the truth. Mm. There's always something to learn in, in whatever realm we're talking. 
Yeah, and I, and I think also if 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 we look in if we look at ourselves, uh, you know, I consider myself a work in progress. Um, I, I know I'm not the finished article. I'm learning something new every day. In previous podcasts with my guests, I learned something. You've mentioned a couple of things today that you've actually made me. You, you've educated me. You, you've you've enhanced m- 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 me as a person. And I think that when when we when we are uh, we we lose the ego and, and we take off the mask and we say, okay, really, do, you know, and I agree with you, an expert, really? So you know everything? There's nothing more to learn? Mm, exactly. I, I, I don't think so. You know, and, and that can be... An, and that can be an, Ian, I think I think to your point, I think that people think that they've got Google, they can do anything or learn anything and they become experts, you know? Um, and... <laughs> And it's such immediate gratification and learning and growing is long term. Yeah. It's, it doesn't happen immediately. Yeah, it's, it's a, classic, a classic example, I guess, is, is, is the medical student that, that learns to be a surgeon and, and, and all of this, this, however long it is, six, seven years to, to learn to be the surgeon. And then they're cast into the theater room and they're like, oh, I didn't know this. Uh, and, that, and then right. ten, and then ten years into that journey, when they've been in the theatre, and, and suddenly something new is presented to them. Oh, I don't know this either, you know. So, so then it's the realization that yes, I've been given the title now that I'm a doctor, I'm a surgeon, and I've come out of medical school. But actually, ask most surgeons, or, or and this transfers into lawyers and, and and lots of other professions as well. The day I started learning was when my university course ended. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to pry into your personal life too much, Kim. But and you know, at the start, you did light up when we mentioned Alan, and and Alan, Alan is 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 a magnificent part of your life. Help us understand if you're if you're happy to share this. You you went through this long time on your own, um, and then you were you were you were back and forth, and you met Alan, and wasn't it a distance relationship for a while? Yeah, for two years, which everyone used to say, oh, my gosh, you're doing it two years. It's, you know, this is real, you know, long distance. It was Atlanta to Johannesburg. It was a 16-hour flight, you know. Um, it was, for me, a wonderful, special time that I so appreciated. It, it gave me the distance to really think about who am I in this relationship? Do I really want this relationship? And who is this man to me in yeah. this relationship? Yeah. And so every day we would get on the phone at like five o'clock and speak for an hour. And we had um, a deal that we would see each other, say, every eight to 12 weeks, wherever that may be. Um, and even today, our communication skills are really very, very good. So if something happens and we need to talk it out, we have that skill because of that time. Yes. So by the time I was committing to this relationship, I knew that this was positive for both of us. Mm. Such a mature way, uh, you know, I'm sorry to, that sounds condescending to, to say mature, but such a healthy, that's a better word, such a healthy way to form what what is a very, very solid relationship with you guys because, you know, yeah. you, you hear... I think a- I would change that word, though, Ian. I would even, sorry to interrupt you, um, I would change that word to conscious. No, and I think that's that beautiful. That that's a much is, better word. Um, Thank you, Kim. Yeah, I think that I try and live life very consciously. I try and think about things very consciously. And if we do that, I think that is definitely a step up. Otherwise, you are in reaction mode all the time and life kind of runs you yeah. instead of you running life. Yeah, perfect. I listened to, I listened to a, a podcast uh, of, of Stephen Bartlett's uh, and he was mentioned he had a guest on who was a relationship guru. And he talks about when people come together, this rush, this hastiness, you know, this, this let's get this done. We're running out of time. And this is with this is with different generations. He spoke across a whole spectrum. This can be people in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, even beyond that. And he said, "But what I advise my clients is, if once you've got into the, you know, the 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 relationship in depth, still take your time. 
and, yes, and, 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 if, and, and if you and if you're going to get engaged he says i actually think you should healthily be engaged for a period of two years yes you know <laughs> and look there's, there's no there's no right there's no wrong when it comes to these things but i do know that with you and alan and that's a, a magical point that you've just made communication communication is an is, is is absolutely key, whether that be in business, with your children, with your sibling, uh, with your siblings, with your mum and dad, with your partner. Communication is such an essential part of the toolbox. Of course, there's all the other yes. things that come into it, but if you're not communicating yes. effectively, and sometimes having difficult conversations as well, and that's all about our programs. It's all about our programs. Communication is huge. Communicating within yourself and communicating with others. So both are online for the children as well as the family program. There is so much about connection within and connection without and communication within and without. Amazing. Are you able to share with us any of the highlights of, of Free the Mind so far, what what is its outreach? What is its, uh, I don't like the word success, but how is it being measured? Impact, absolutely. I mean, as far as schools go, just one of the schools um, who did it for one year, they had a drop of 58 and 60% in minor and major behavioral issues in their school. Wow. Because everyone thought that the children would come back after COVID and they would just want to be at school and be happy. And that is not what schools are finding. <laughs> children have lost out on being socialized. They, a lot of children didn't go to school for two, three years, you yeah. know? Yeah. So um, behavioral issues, not wanting to be there, they want to be at home in their safe place. Yeah. So what we have found is, again, at a couple of the schools, the children would miss school and then arrive back on the day that Freddie was being done at school. Because it brought them joy. It brought them so much. Goodness me. Um, so there are these lovely, lovely stories that we are hearing um, from the schooling system. And we're working now with foster families. And we're working with psychologists. We're working with Ukraine as well. We've been accredited by the Ukrainian government. So we're translating everything into Ukrainian because the children are suffering so badly from PTSD. And because this is an online program, they can do it wherever they are. Wow. Um, and it's joyful as well. So, um, yeah, we, we're working with thousands and thousands of children. Um, I'm in, what, in a, in a month, I'm leaving for overseas to train overseas, um, a whole lot of teachers. Um, so, yes, we keep growing. We've got well over 250 teachers now that are trained up in it. And we just want to grow and grow. So that's where we're at. And, and the future, yeah, I mean, you just answered that. You, you just want to keep growing and keep uh, uh, deploying this around the world to, to benefit these children. And to hear that it's gone to the Ukraine is, 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 is absolutely tremendous because I can't imagine for one second what it would be like in that war-torn, volatile environment that it is right now. Kim, um, You've shared a lot with us today, and, and I'm, I'm I'm really privileged that you, you that you've shared everything you do. What is your, you. you know, you, you've answered it sort of in, in one way, but where would you like, and what is the future of uh, Free the Mind? I know that uh, am I right in saying that Brent's working on more material? Yes, Brent keeps working on more and more material. He's also overseeing everything that we do. Um, as I said, he's the creative director and um, the development. Um, on so many different levels. And for us now, it's about translating it into as many languages as we can and really getting it to millions and millions of children. So we appreciate, Ian, we appreciate this podcast. Um, and please feel free to share my information. They can all go on to Free the Mind Co. It's freethemindco.com and see what we are doing on there. Uh, my email is kim at freethemindco.com, mm -hmm. so freethemindco.com, mm -hmm. and please reach out. We look for partnerships, we look for collaboration, and we look to make an impact. That's amazing. And don't worry, listeners, if you didn't quite get that, if you're driving or you're listening to this in a space where you couldn't quite make a note of that, as this 
podcast is published on the footnotes, uh, we will have all of um, Kim's details and we will also have all of Free the, Free the Mind code details as well. So you can link through anybody listening uh, that, that perhaps, uh, you know, want, wants me to facilitate int- any introductions. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on social and everywhere else. And I'll, I'll happily do that because I think this is just amazing. The work that Kim and her team and Brent are doing, uh, it, it is going to make massive gear shifts and have an impact on, on young people and if we help young people that means our future generations are, are, are also empowered and, and, and we, we, the world becomes a better place and that might sound a little bit holistic but it's an actual fact so thank you kim so much for joining us today you, um you know i wish you much health happiness and success for you for alan for brent for your daughter for everybody who's in your circle and your team as well and um, it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much i'm humbled as always by all of my guests Um, but today kim you've shared such a wonderful story and as we've and as we as we both agree storytelling right that's where it's at yeah exactly that's it thank you so much you're welcome thank you See you soon. Bye-bye. I think you'll agree that was quite a story. Join me again for next week's episode of Ian Beaton's So What's Your Story? If you enjoyed this episode, it meant something to you, or maybe you think a friend or a loved one might like to listen to it too, go ahead and share it with them. Remember, If you have a story you'd like to share, or perhaps you know someone who does, I invite you to join me on my podcast. I can be contacted by email, web, or social. Thank you. You've just listened to So What's Your Story?